0: It's Great Britain's most haunted peninsula. The Whirl in the north of England. And that's where this story takes place on a cool and windy spring afternoon. The Graveyard Called. It Wants Its 1980s Back. Precinct Detective Kate McCann of the Upper Bevington Police Department had just finished lunch at her desk. When a non-emergency 101 call rang through,
1: "Hi, Detective McCann speaking. What can I help you with?"
0: "Dear, I need your help now. This is our only chance to get them."
1: "Can you speak up, love? Uh, who are we meant to be looking for?" Where, where are you? Can, you? can you tell me? Can you give me a location?
0: I can't go anywhere. Not until you find them. Hello? Hello? The phone had disconnected. Detective McCann noted that the caller ID appeared as only unknown, but she tried a return call anyway, only to get a customer-not-available recording. But that wouldn't be an issue now. Detective Kate rang up Dave their rookie recruit and their new IT investigator and put in a request for a GPS location. Dave would only need to contact the mobile provider and hopefully soon he'd be able to pick up the exact location of the phone it was coming from. Kate still sitting at her desk, thinking of how familiar the caller sounded and he'd called her Katie. While she pondered these things, her phone rang again. It was the unknown caller.
1: Love, you doing okay? We're looking for you right now, but you got to tell us where you are. Where's he at?
0: It was them, you know. She's as bad as he is, too. Please don't let them get away with it, Katie. They took so much from us already. Detective McCann could hear a dull sound of thunder in the background of the call. And that same thundering noise outside her window just a fraction of a second later. And then the line went dead. Hello? Hello? Oh, dear. Her new partner, Davey, was at the door. We got it. The GPS pinpoint. Shall I get the car? Yeah, get the car, Davey boy. It's not far from here. Will do. How How do you know it's not so far from? Constables Kate and Dave were pulling their squad car into the parking lot of Bebington Cemetery just a few minutes later. The old cemetery was not at all unfamiliar to either of them, uh, not only for having their buried friends and relatives there, but with the cemetery being on the east side of Storton Woods, a notorious shortcut and hangabout for the worst kind of scallies and chaps. They'd used the cemetery as a place to stumble "'through or pass out into. "'Sometimes that's where they'd find stolen goods "'and sometimes they'd find victims. "'As they walked through the mossy stone gates of the graveyard, "'Constable Dave asked out loud, "'Jace, do you really think it's coming from the cemetery?' "'I reckon it must be. "'I'm going to guess the Orthodox Chapel.' "'The chapel sits in the middle of the cemetery.' And Constable Kate supposed one of the few places a person could be hiding or being kept against their will. There was a mix of sunshine and rain as the two constables approached the central chapel. But just as they were closing in on the doors, Davy, monitoring a tracker on his phone, stopped short. It says we passed him. Yeah, according to this, he's just over there. Among the tombstones? Kate watched as Dave made his way into the thick of the gravestones. She lost sight of him for a moment when he kneeled down among the rows, but she did hear him cry out. "Uh Oh, there you are. I got you now. Dave popped back up into view and aiming his phone towards something on the ground. Seeing this, Kate jogged over, wondering if he'd found a cast-out mystery caller, a dead body, or what. But when she got there, she saw it, what Dave had got. An iPhone, laying on the edge of a grave. The GPS did indeed line up, bang on with the location. Well, there was the phone, but no trace of a person anywhere to be seen. Detective McCann scanned the cemetery borders, the tree lines, any sign of anyone. He could be anywhere if he's still here, behind hundreds of statues and headstones. Oh, dear, where have you gone, mister? Rookie Dave was putting on latex gloves and bagging up the phone in a plastic evidence bag, just as a crack of thunder rippled and the rain began to pour. Back to the car, Dave. Let's
1: see if we can fire this up and get anything, any information we can from it.
0: And with that, the two hustled back to the parking lot and into their squad car. Once in the cab of the car, Dave carefully unbags the phone, but it was so low on battery power that it went dead just from lighting up the touch screen. I'm on, I can revive it,' he said as he took a mobile battery pack from his vest, connected it, and saw the charge was flowing through. "'Come on, come on, baby, charge, baby, charge!' At three percent, Davy tries to boot the phone to the home screen. Oh, there she goes! Come on, come on! Tell us something. Damn it! Password lock screen. Damn it! Can you bypass it somehow? A con, yes, but I need to take it back to the station to do that. I don't know, maybe, maybe an hour, but I can do it. Right, love. Let's get back then, Davy. I'm going to call in search and rescue to
1: sweep the cemetery and the woods, too. You and I will do whatever we can back at the station while they try to find our mystery man.
0: It's the phone. Kate took the phone, took a deep breath, and answered. Hello. All right. But this caller was not their mystery man. It was a husky voice of a woman with a thick rockfarian accent. What? Kate had to think fast. She didn't want to reveal that she was a police constable.
1: Yeah, dear. You're speaking to Kate here, love. Uh, Whoever you are, that's my phone you're on, you
0: slag. You best explain why the fuck you got me phone. Kate had to keep her cool. She replied and turning into an actress in the moment.
1: No, it's all right, love. I I just found it a few minutes ago. Ah, I barely had time to get in my
0: car and you just rang me now. The woman on the other end had taken it down a notch. Yeah, okay, well,
1: well, where'd you find it then?
0: Now Kate, flinching a bit, trying to think fast, as Dave holding the charger was holding his breath across from her.
1: I was just here at the Bebbington Cemetery. I was just bringing my grandmom flowers, you know. Well, you know, for her memories.
0: In a fucking gate do you, you say, woods. You said Dalton, it, was I, I you it every fucking place. Now Kate could hear that she was talking to someone else in the background. Kate tried to interrupt the row the two were about to get into.
1: Hello, hello. Hey, It's no problem at all to drop it off if you like. Yeah, but that would be great. We're just across the track. Okay, okay, love. J- just give me a few minutes and I'll drop it by.
0: Pam, on the other end of the phone, would give her the address. It was not far away. She ended the call. Kate and Dave exhaled, like they'd pulled off the greatest ruse ever. Just then, the local search and rescue team pulled into the parking lot. Now, Kate rolled down the window to update the search leader and... From there, her and Dave drove off to Rock Ferry to return the phone. Or, at least that was the pretense. On the way there, Dave tried to sort through it all. She's sighing. She she dropped the phone in the cemetery last night. So we might already guess she was hammered and high, stumbling out of the Storton Woods.
1: Yeah, I reckon so, Davey.
0: So wait. The man we heard in the background of the call, you know, the one she was arguing with, I might guess her husband. Uh, so was it him making the calls from before? Was he just drunk-dialing us? No, Davey. It's not the same man. The voice just isn't
1: the same. And that's a Rockfarian accent we heard from him, too. Our mystery caller. Now that's a right bebbington accent, that is. Trust me, Davey, I know.
0: I grew up here. As they crossed into Rock Ferry, Detective Kate was trying to think fast. Right, Davy, here's the plan. I'm going to keep them busy, and you need to get yourself everywhere you can in the home, looking for any sign of who else is living there, or, well, trapped in there. Look for a cellar or attic door if you can. Upon arrival at the given address, They made a point to park a bit down the street from the home, to remove their police hats and try to appear casual, hoping the couple wouldn't be alarmed by an arriving police car. But actually, even as they parked, they could see curtains being pulled aside and a jolting big lady and a middle-aged man was animated behind her, too, as they glared through the window panes. They walked casually up on the home. The door was already open,
1: What's this, then? Oh, hello. Don't let appearances throw you. We're not here on police business,
0: love. By then, the heavy rock and woman had pushed past him with a... Now,
1: nah, you think she's got the phone, so call it. Yeah, love. I- I'm the one that found your phone, you see. Uh, me partner and I were on a lunch
0: break and taking me grand some flowers. Kate held up and dangled the phone that was still in an evidence baggie.
1: I even used one of our baggies
0: to keep it dry. The pretense worked well enough. The tall defensive man slumped in some relief and the big gal managed a kind of smile as she went straight away to grab the bag. Just then a little rain started up. Kate took the opportunity.
1: Oh dear, it's pouring rain again. Uh, Can can we give it to you inside? Uh, I don't want your phone to get soaked out here.
0: The big lady... Pam was her name. She fell for it.
1: I hate to lose the info and me contacts on it, after all. Uh, Anyways, yeah, poppy and Don, get some tea on.
0: And with that, they did invite Dave and Kate into the house. Now, this couple might have been around their early fifties and about as Rockfarian as middle-aged Rockfarians get. She was a brute, though. A big lady with a god-awful pink fuzzy tracksuit a nasty black dye job with her gray roots fighting that off, all in a tightly bound bun on the top of her head. The man, he had gone bald and gray himself, but was still supporting a vintage Clash t-shirt, and through the white fuzz on his arm hair, Kate could make out a classic tarantula tattoo on his forearm. And that's what tweaked Kate to sudden flashbacks. Love, you're not going to believe it, but I think maybe we went to school together, did we? The tall man making the tea paused, a little unsure. Yeah, Bebington fourth form, yeah. I graduated in 87. Yeah, right. Yeah, same here. Well, I mean, I didn't graduate, though. You know, back then, I was a bit of a shit-disturber.
1: I can confirm he was given the boot because I was with him back then. I guess you can say we were high school sweethearts then.
0: Kate played into it all. Oh, that's so romantic. Oh, you've really been together since then. How wonderful. The big pink tracksuit wearing Rockfarian lady. Well, a few
1: rough patches maybe, but here we are.
0: As the tea was steeping, the small talk carried on. The couple were now off their defensive guard and chatting freely with Kate about the old Bebbington Fourth Form days. Davy asked if he could use the toilet, and they didn't mind. The big lady just waved him into the direction of the stairs. As he was going up, Dave was taking in every angle and putting it all to memory as he went along. The home was very small, so it barely required any efforts for Dave to survey what was really just one empty upstairs bedroom and a toilet. Not even a shed in the back garden, as far as he could see through the window. In fact, not even a closet was closed anyway. Heaps of laundry laid everywhere, a mess of a place. He duly noted prescription bottles seemed everywhere, along with what were obviously marijuana paraphernalia, but... There was no indication their mysterious caller might be being held somewhere in this small place. Davy actually did have to take a whiz and while he was doing so he had to admire one remarkable and probably the most valuable thing in the house as he recognized it. A framed and signed album cover of the infamous punk band The Sex Pistols. The autographs were penned across it. Sid Vicious, and another simply Nancy, and below what seemed to be a personal message in the same ink. Dearest Nigel, go, capital letters, fuck yourself, and a scribbled heart shape below that, no less. Dave finished up in the toilet. He didn't want to appear to be gone too long. He could make up the sound of the conversation going on downstairs, coming to an end, so he made his way back. "'Well, it seems like y'all know each other, then, old friends.'" With that, Kate cut things short.
1: "'Oh, kiddo, the boss says we gotta get back to work.'"
0: As she pretended to read an urgent text message that wasn't on her phone.
1: "'Okay, off we go, then. "'Okay, love, it was nice of you to help out with the phone and all.'" And Kate bid farewell. "'I hope we can meet up at the pub another time and catch up on the old days properly.'" Ta-da!
0: Dave and Kate were back in the squad car, but Kate kept the casual act up, driving slowly past the curtains of the home. A friendly wave to the couple that they'd just met, looking through the bay window, waving back at them. It was only until she was out of sight. She was on the shortwave police radio. Search and rescue. We're on our way back to Bebbington Cemetery now. Davey, listen to me. Something's going on. I can't quite explain it now, but I need these two arrested immediately. Kate, I didn't see anything to indicate kidnapping or even anyone else having been in that house, but Nigel there has enough bongs and prescription bottles to get a drug charge, I reckon. Wait, Davey, did you you say Nigel? Dave described the sex pistols collectible and the personalized message to a Nigel. I assume that's your Grandpa Punk Rocker downstairs, right? Oh, no, no. Nigel...
1: Nigel is someone else, Davy, and I... I think I know who.
0: Kate went quiet. She didn't speak at all as they were pulling back into the Bebbington Cemetery, where search and rescue was well underway, combing the area. Young Davy got out and went to join them, but... Constable Kate made her way back to the exact spot where they'd found that phone, that exact grave. She looked up, and up at the gravestone itself. Oh dear,
1: how didn't I see this before?
0: From the grave upon which the phone had been sitting, the gravestone engraving, Nigel Sloan, born 1969, died 1987. There it was, literally written in stone. For Kate, it was like a wind ran through her body and mind. It all came back to her. Everything. 1987, the Storton Woods. Dawn and that horrible girl from Rock Ferry. How she always loved her schoolmate, Nigel. Nigel Sloane, The boy next door. The boy who always walked her home. So there she stood at the grave of Nigel, and the flashbacks ran through her. She remembered Nigel had been befriended by those two. They'd been suspended from school by then. She remembered Nigel always wanted to impress them. Once he had bought tickets for all three of them to see the Sex Pistols. Nigel incredibly met with the band after the show. Now that was something rare, and they had signed a copy of an album... "'Face to face, personalized, to him, from Sid Vicious. "'Oh, she remembered he'd spoke about it "'like he'd become a superstar himself, "'and Kate remembered that young couple. "'You see, they saw that. "'They thought they were the real hardcore punk rockers. "'They were resentful of Nigel, "'like he'd been knighted undeservedly. "'Kate remembered Nigel didn't see that contempt either. "'He was just thrilled to win their acceptance. "'Kate never liked any of it, "'and she didn't go out with them when they were all together.' In fact, that night, when Nigel said he was going to go visit his new friends, the punk rockers in Rock Ferry, she wouldn't go with him. She said he was on his own. Sure, that night he would, of course, take a shortcut through Storton Woods, and that's where they found his body, too. He'd been beaten badly, knocked unconscious, and died asphyxiated face down in a puddle of muddy water. He was just 17 years old. Police didn't find any album covers or collectibles on Nigel's body or anywhere near it. But Kate knows that he would have taken it with him to impress his new rock fairy friends. All of this came back to Kate and she felt a kind of a supernatural weight come off her shoulders. Everything made sense now, if anything could make sense of it. The calls, they came from Nigel's grave, But now 35 years later... Oh, Nigel, I should have recognized your voice. It would be just an hour later when Don and Pam, the nasty couple from Rock Ferry, would be arrested and jailed. Rookie Dave would be removing several evidence bags of drug paraphernalia and a carefully bagged vintage Sex Pistols album autographed by Sid Vicious. Now it so happened there was an abundance of DNA evidence at Nigel's crime scene back in the day, but in 1987 there wasn't the ability to match DNA as there is now, and even if they could, it would have meant nothing as they had no suspects to match it with at the time. Kate would bluff the suspects in the interview by simply suggesting they had DNA and cold case files and it match the two of them exactly when confronted by this bluff Don, the grandpa punk rocker broke down immediately and confessed to the whole terrible murder admitting he and Pam conspired to steal the rock collectible that he didn't mean to kill Nigel conversely Treat insists that it was her then boyfriend Don who was the real ringleader who put her up to it who forced her to go along both of them would be behind bars later that evening charged with the homicide of one Nigel Sloan some 35 years earlier. It was just past midnight when Detective Kate was back in the same office where she started the day. Across the room lay a dozen evidence bags and on her desk the iPhone 5, the star witness in the whole thing. And as she was exiting the office door, she clicked off the lights and then... Kate doesn't turn the lights back on. She just navigates to the phone glowing in the plastic evidence bag. She carefully removes it. The call is from unknown, and she answers.
1: Oh, Nigel, are you okay, dear?
0: Well, it's all good, Kate. Uh-huh. I'm now. Thanks to you.
1: It's alright, love. You did it, not me.
0: We did it, Kate. We finally did it. Love, I have to go now.
1: I know. I know. Ta-da. ta
0: Ta-da. Ah, They're calling me now. Oh, the music, Kate. The music. Bye.